1: Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Father. Father, help me explain this as you showed me this morning. <clears throat> as I was praying this morning and preparing for today's service, the Lord laid on my heart scriptures. And he started putting them together in a way that I had not seen before. Maybe you guys have seen it before, but I want to share it with you because I didn't know that this was the last song that we were going to sing. And it goes like this He reminded me that the battle that we face is not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and powers of darkness. And then he said, We need to fight the good fight of faith. And in order to fight that good fight of faith, we have to use our shield of faith to quench the fiery darts that the enemy is shooting at us. Well, in order to grow our faith and to grow that shield of faith, we have to hear the word of God. And we have to hear the word of God. And then he reminded me that that same scripture says that the sword that we fight back with is the Word of God. And then he said, Jason, you see, I am the Word. And I became flesh. And when you speak my name, the name of Jesus, we are taking the entire Word of God as our sword. And we are slaying whatever Is in front of us. Whatever is in front of us, we are slaying it with the name of Jesus. And you see, we have authority now because we can speak the name of Jesus. And so this morning I'm asking you, what is standing in front of you? What is it that's standing in front of you? Today we're going to sing and speak the name of Jesus over that. And I'm going to ask the worship team if we could just sing that chorus one more time. And as we sing it, whatever is in front of you, your shield is up and you're sending that sword which is the name of Jesus, the word of God. And every plan and purposes that the enemy had is no longer going to have root and no longer have any fruit in your life because it's the name of Jesus. That's going to break the chains. It's the entire word of God, the name of Jesus. So let's speak that today, this morning, over everything. Yes, Lord, your great name. The name of Jesus. Above every other name. Above every other name. The name of Jesus. And as we speak that name of Jesus, faith begins to rise up. Faith begins to grow in every circumstance that we face. Jesus. 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 Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. If you have faith of a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, you will say to it, move from here to there, and it will move, for nothing is impossible. Jesus, you are the author and finisher of our faith. We are justified by faith. Our faith has made us well. Lord, we live by faith. We live by faith. We just thank you that you are growing our faith this morning. We thank you for your precious name. Heavenly Father, as we close out this time of worship, Lord, we thank You that You are so good to us. We thank You You are such as such a good, Heavenly Father. We thank You for sending Your Son, Jesus, to take all of our sins, all of our pains, and to defeat death, and to rise again and to be seated at your right hand. We thank you for your precious Holy Spirit that will lead us and guide us in all that we do. We thank you for all these things. You are a good, good Father. And we love you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, and amen, and amen. we'll turn around and greet someone and say, God is good. Church, how are we doing this morning? Yeah, we're doing good. All right, I'm doing good. I'm excited to be here this morning. You guys ready to continue to worship the Lord with our giving? Amen. This is an act of worship, this is an act of faith. It's an act of faith. God's just been really placing growing my faith and growing our faith as a church on my heart, and so I just want to do that today. I just want to speak to that a little bit this morning. Ushers, if you want to get ready serve the people. If you, do have, if you need an envelope, just slip your hand up. Uh, they can help you. But the Lord continues to put this one scripture on my heart, and it's Matthew 6, verse 33. It just has been on my heart, and, I'm, and I usually read it in the New King James Version, and I'm going to start there. And the Lord just continued to say, well, look at it at, in other translations. And so I want to read a couple of those translations uh, that are out there, because it really means, I think it means a lot to me, and I hopefully you guys can get something out of this, too. In the New King James Version says this, it says, but seek first, we are to be seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. When we seek first his kingdom, all these things shall be added to us. When we seek him first in our finances, and everything that we do. Amplified. But first, and most importantly, seek, which means aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing and being, the attitude and character of God. And when we do that, all these things will be given to us also. That's a good word. The passion translation, which I'm enjoying more and more. So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him, then all these less important things. Come on, hold on. Let me read that again. I only got one amen, I heard. Let me try that again. And the righteousness that proceeds from him, then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Abundantly. When we seek His kingdom and Him first, the lesser things, the things of the physical world get added on to us when we seek Him in the spiritual world, in the spiritual realm, when we seek His kingdom. And the next scripture says then you don't have to worry about all this other stuff. And we spend a lot of time worrying about all the other stuff. I do. (laughs) Unfortunately, I'm working on it. How many of you guys are working on it? I'm working on it. Yes, every day we're working on it. Seek and be intentional. And then I'm going to end with the message translation. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. <laughs> to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. Oh, my goodness. Not worried so much about getting and how we're going to take care of all this stuff, but worried about what God is giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But we're not going to fuss anymore, amen? amen? But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in a God reality, a God initiative, God provisions, and then don't worry about missing out. Your everyday needs will be met, amen? Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning that our everyday needs are met, as we seek first your kingdom, as we seek your righteousness. Father, these less important things we will not worry about any longer. For by faith we are sowing this seed, and we know that by faith you will move mountains on our behalf. We thank you for every mountain that is moved, for every gift and giver alike. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ushers, wait on the people. I think we have a video offering.
2: That scripture that was just played, it's Psalm 139. And part of the story that I'm going to share with you today is the story of getting to know Jesus. And he takes me on seasons of study. He takes me on, on lessons where I focus in on one thing for a while, and I try to get to understanding. Well, that was one of my lessons. It was about 10 years ago. The Lord had me read Psalm 139 every single day because I wanted to know him. I wanted to know him. I wanted to know the beauty of him. And so I stand before you today, church, a totally changed woman. I never thought I would have this adjective to my name. A Hebrews 11:35 woman. Some women received their dead by resurrection. I never, ever thought in my life that that would be my testimony. But it is my testimony. And it is an an encompassing testimony that just didn't happen on September 24th. It had started years and years ago. It started when I was five years old. I was a little girl. And I... I was given this Bible, and it had Jesus and the children on the cover. It was a King James Bible. I couldn't read yet. But I remember going into my bedroom, and there's Jesus on the cover. And as a five-year-old child, I thought, okay, I'm going to meet Jesus. I couldn't read a single word. But I knew he was somewhere in that book. And I hid behind, beside my bed, and in on near the wall, and I crouched down and I opened up that Bible. And Jesus met me in that room. I can't describe it any other way, but as if a hand reached out from that word and grabbed my heart. It was profound, and I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know what you called this. It's called the presence of God. And I did that several times, and it honestly, it got to be scary for me. Because I'm sitting here going, I don't know how to verbalize what I am encountering. But what I was, was a little girl that wanted to know Jesus. That's all I was. And I knew he was a really good guy. And he did really cool things. And I wanted him as my friend. And it started a lifelong quest to know Jesus in every way possible to know him. And he... Has become my dearest friend. He's as real to me, especially after this event, as you are. I am st- standing before you as a Hebrews eleven thirty five woman. And I also stand before you, a a woman grateful beyond words. When I saw Jim on the ground, my whole world fell apart. He's a healthy guy. Takes incredible care of himself. Exercise, jogs. You couldn't ask for a better physical specimen than him. (laughs) 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 This was not even in the thought process. You know how some things come out of left field? This came out of a completely different ballpark. And when I saw him on that road, everyone thought, oh, you must be some big, powerful woman of faith. People asked me, did you doubt? Oh, yeah, I doubted. But this is what I did. And it wasn't a pretty sight. I wasn't this great woman of faith that kneeled down and prayed for him. They wouldn't let me near him. I was in shock, so much so that a doctor said, you have traumatic stress, and you need to deal with it. It, Every sense in my body was assaulted, and the only thing I could get out as the police, little young policeman, was holding me back, and I thanked him later for not arresting me for resisting an officer. (laughs) I had a love-hate relationship with that policeman. (laughs) At one moment, I was hugging him, hanging on to him, because he was all I had at that moment. I mean, the the person I could talk to. And then I'm running away from him, trying to talk, get to my husband. And when they, the only thing I could do is I said, you're going to live and not die in Jesus' name. And at that moment... I curled right up into a little ball into my friend's arms, Jesus. And actually, I call it snail faith. I curled right up into that shell, which is the Lord Jesus, and I shut the door. I didn't curl up into myself and I didn't curl up into pain and I didn't curl up into worry and I didn't curl up into doubt. I curled up into my friend that I have walked with all these years. And I I don't even remember walking back up into that into the house up the hill cuz I had curled up I literally was like this. And when we know Jesus <laughs> everything changes. When Jesus came, he said something. And this is one of the scriptures that have always fascinated me. It's always convicted me, too. It is John 10:27 my sheep hear my voice and i know them and they follow me it is a really good thing saints to take a good inventory of yourself i've took a good inventory of myself a few years ago this was in the late 1990s and i said do i hear his voice and i began to look at all the prayers That weren't going answered. And I thought, something's off here. And I have a pretty good suspicion it's not you, God, it's me. If my prayer results were this big when they should be this big, I thought, something's wrong. And I'm going to fix it. And this is Jesus. He says, My sheep hear my voice. So, Saints, I went on a quest to hear his voice. And I didn't try to hear his voice for anybody else. I didn't try to hear his voice to give a prophetic word to somebody else. Because if I couldn't even get it straight for me, what business did I have trying to tell somebody else? So I went on this quest to know his voice. Because he doesn't speak
1: loudly like this,
2: Pamela. He doesn't. But he speaks to our knower, that we know that we know. And and so I would get up every morning and I'd say, okay, what adventure are we going on today? I want to hear your voice. And I would write down what I thought he was telling me. And we had a good laugh at most of the time it wasn't him telling me that. It was my own head, my own thoughts. But it was a learning process to hear what is the voice of God and what is my own voice. And I went on that search for years. Little did I know how incredibly important that would be when I was part of the story was we went up to take care of Jim's parents and his mother is dealing with Alzheimer's and so she doesn't realize what she's doing and as a former chef she just wants to help and get in the kitchen she's dangerous in the kitchen And when you're there, you have to hide everything. I'll cut up the onions to put in the soup. She throws them away. She put, I I told you before, she she put a whole box of donuts in my steamed carrots. They were really sweet. (laughs) After I rinsed the donuts off, salvaged the carrots, they were really, really sweet. But you have to watch her incessantly. She's dangerous around a stove, and she's dangerous to a meal. She'll put a whole box of salt in what you've just made or throw away what you've just made. So on that Monday night, I just made an, a really beautiful meal. And, I, and I, I was, we were just waiting for the green beans to finish up. And I knew something was terribly wrong. And I had listened to his voice long enough that I thought, I have to go. It is not a smart thing to do to leave food on a stove with a woman with Alzheimer's. I hid what I could. I I pulled all the knobs off the stove, hid them, covered him up really so that she couldn't get to him and prayed she just didn't touch anything to get burnt. And I looked at this meal and I said, if she ruins it, she ruins it. I've got to go. That was the voice of God calling me. And I've walked with him long enough. Saints, one of the things that you have got to do is hear his voice. Just as Jesus says, you'll know my disciples by their love, he says, my sheep hear my voice. And this is what I started a few years back on. I want to be a sheep. I want to hear his voice. I'm not doing too good in this department. I want to hear his voice, not my own voice. And saints, it takes time to hear this. But then when I walked out that door, and my father-in-law, bless his heart, he couldn't understand, what, why are you leaving? Why are you leaving the dinner? Because she's dangerous. And I said, Dad, I got to go. I have to go. I was so compelled. And I go out the door And I find him on the ground with paramedics all around him. And he's dead. His eyes, I will never forget those eyes. They were yellow and red. He was purple. He wasn't breathing. And I I asked the Lord later, why did I have to see that? Because he needed prayer. It was so quick and compelling for me to go out the door because I heard his voice. But I did not have the strength to pray. It takes emotional strength. It It takes stamina, constitution to pray for other people. I did the only thing I could do is I called for the elders of the church. And I have to say, we are both so incredibly proud of you as a church. In 10 minutes, a prayer meeting was called, and you interceded, and you did the hard work. All I did was curl up in Jesus and shut the door. Before me was so many terrible, scary things. I couldn't solve any of them. There was not a thing I could do. And bless the medical personnel's heart, man, they were working left and right to save his life. But saints, there was nothing they could do for his brain, He'd been without oxygen for at least 8 to 13 minutes. You don't survive that. I curled up into him. And all I did was worship. I didn't look at what was before me because... I couldn't fix it. I knew enough to be quiet and not to speak doubt. Because if you go there, you'll go downhill. You don't want to go downhill because every, as far down as you go in, in worry, depression, sadness, anxiety, you have to come back up. I didn't have the strength to come back up. I was keeping alive just as I was. We have before us saints an incredible miracle. And there were several things that contributed to this astounding miracle. One of them was your prayers. You would not be denied his life. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for that prayer meeting. And the other component was his brain at all, uh, by itself. The word is transformative. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We got to see a scan of his brain. And the neurosurgeon turned to our son and he said, Whoa, does this man take incredible care of himself? Is is he a reader? Yeah. The word is alive and real, and it it keeps your brain. I got to see a living, live brain filled with the word of God. When later on, when he was coming out of the coma, and he didn't know where we lived, I would start a scripture. And he'd finish it and give me chapter and verse. He knew where those uh, addresses were. He didn't, couldn't figure out where we lived. But that was not important. Saints, when Jesus called his disciples together, he wasn't calling a group of men to get a staff. In Mark uh, 3, verse 14, it says, And they were called that they might be with him. That was the first thing he called them to. This was a ragtag bunch of men. And he called them to be with him. It is the with him part that is actually the most important part. We find all our strength in him. And we, we can discover parts to him that we never knew. He appointed them that they might be with him. And in Philippians 3.8, It says, and this is this is paramount. In the the Amplified Version, it says, I count everything as a loss compared to the possession. We've been given the possession of Jesus' name. We've been given the possession of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, how we take that so lightly. I count everything as a loss. Now remind you, this is the guy, this is Paul. He was a pretty smart dude. He understood the Hebrew. He, he was a, a, a leader in, the, in the Jewish world. Respected, loved. He says, none of that matters. Compared to the possession of the priceless privilege. Saints, we have a privilege. We have a a privilege to know the name and to know the person of the Lord Jesus. It's priceless. It costs Jesus everything. And that means that priceless privilege in the Greek, it means these three precious statements. You could camp on these three for the rest of your life. The overwhelming preciousness. When something is precious, it's highly guarded, it's tenderly treated. It's respected. It's honored. It is the overwhelming preciousness. We live in very mortal bodies. We don't comprehend what heaven has given us in the name of Jesus and in his presence and in His person we we don't comprehend that and in my life i've wanted to know him i wanted to n- discover different aspects about him every year if he's going to be my friend then i want to know a thing or two about him the overwhelming preciousness the surpassing worth saints heaven trembles at the name of jesus hell shakes at the name of jesus his personhood the surpassing worth at that moment when i had declared you will live and not die. And I shut myself up. Snail faith. And for three and a half hours, I thought he was gone. They wouldn't let me near him. And I thought, the only thing on earth I want is him. That's all I want is him. I don't care about monies and lands, possessions. All I ever want is just him. And I I thought, if I could have him, I'd be the richest woman in the world. I am the richest woman in the whole world. (laughs) Later on, about three or four weeks later, they had that big lottery ticket winner. $1.6 $1.6 billion. When I saw that on the news, I thought, I'm richer than that person. I'm the richest woman in the whole world. The surpassing worth and the supreme advantage. This came so crystal clear when in the second hospital that Jim was sent to, the rehab hospital, they said, the prior patient who had come in and had been without oxygen for a period of time, he couldn't even sit, let alone talk or walk. And that one young doctor, he said, "This is astounding." And it's like they were trying to figure out what advantage that Jim had. It is the name of Jesus. It's his friendship. That's the supreme advantage. And in this quest to know more of Jesus, every year I want to know him in ways I've never known him before. Make him so real to me. And Last year, I wanted to know about the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the earth. And I, before we went to Israel, I said, I'm going to arrive in Israel, fresh heart, pure, empty of myself, all thoughts, everything. And I want to see what Jesus paid for us. And and so I started what was called my Philippians 3.10 quest, that that I might know him and in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. Saints, I went there to know about the fellowship of his sufferings i wanted to see what jesus had died for what what it cost him i want cuz he paid a real price to have friendship with you and me i wanted to revere that gift i wanted to see what i could see about the price that he paid so I went there on a 50-day, que- beforehand 50-day quest to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. I was concentrating on the suffering. Little did I know that I would know him in the power of his resurrection. And when, I, when it's all of this dawned on me, I thought, what did I ask for? Sorry, Jim. <laughs> but then on the other hand, it's like, Thank God I asked. I wanted, and there's some scriptures in the Bible, saints, we're all real mature. There's some scriptures in the Bible that are pretty scary. One of them, it gives me the chills every time I read it, is when Jesus says, he's standing on the top of Mount of Olives. in his his return, and he says, I'm going to separate the sheep from the goats. And the one thing that separates sheep from goats is one thing. How much they knew Jesus. The goats say, well, didn't we do all of these things? He said, I don't know you. And this, at Saint's, this is an honest question that we all need to ask ourselves. And this is what I asked myself before I went over to Israel. I said, I want to stand on the top of Mount of Olives, and I want to ask, am I a sheep or am I a goat? I have great assurance of salvation. Believe me. Don't get me wrong on that. But what price did he pay for a relationship with me? And how much am I taking that for granted? I want to be a sheep. I don't want to be a goat. And the only, the difference between the two is how Jesus says, I know my sheep. We have an open invitation to know him like we've never known him. We can commune with him. And most of us know him as Savior. And saints, we can spend eternity celebrating that he's our Savior. He saved us from hell and redeemed us to heaven. We'll spend the eternity celebrating that attribute of the Lord Jesus. But there's so much more to him. He's more than Savior. He's Redeemer. And some of us know him as the Redeemer. He redeems our lives from destruction, and he straightens out the crooked paths in our life, the messes that we make for ourselves. Some of us have got to know him as Redeemer, but there's more than just Savior and Redeemer. Even though we'll spend, if that's all there is, we'd spend eternity celebrating those two. He's friend. If When I stood there at, when Jim was down, I curled up into my friend. And the and later on in the scripture, uh, where the widow woman was crying because her only son had died, and it says Jesus was moved with compassion. I, I've experienced his compassion. I curled up into him, and his compassion brought me Jim back. He is a friend. And, saints, this is where most of the body of Christ is. Most of the evangelistic work in the world is to get people to meet Jesus as their Savior. That's great. But there's more. I have tried and evangelized left and right And sometimes found myself begging people to know Jesus. I'm not, I'm never doing that again, ever. I am not gonna beg them to know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Saints, we have a testimony here, all of us do. We have seen something that's so miraculous. All the years that I have been out. So winning, because I'm an evangelist. I talked to all over the place. No one has ever come up to me in Walmart and asked me about my walk with God until now. This thing has, was so, it hit our city that strangers come up to us everywhere we go. Tell us what happened. And I think the saddest thing I heard was this one person said to me, you know, God would do that for you because you're a pastor. Oh, no. Oh, no. He is the resurrection and the life and the dearest friend we'll ever have. He'll do that for anyone. We have this incredible invitation to know him. But not just know him for salvation. Not just know him on Sunday mornings. And we're the blessed ones that come. The average church attendance is now once a month. And we can know him so much more. And Jesus, one of the most astounding things about Jesus is he's a gentleman. We can have as little of him or as much of him as we want. He will never force himself on us. We all have seasons, including yours truly, where we spent more time with God than other times. Where our, our relationship was richer and deeper than at other times. And I never felt condemnation the times when it wasn't as rich and deep. And I was busy doing the work of God. Doing it for him, not with him. I have never felt any condemnation for that. But there's no punishment needed for it. Just the loss of that relationship is punishment enough. I mean, that closeness. And the more you know him, the more beautiful he becomes, and the more you want to know him every day. While you're working, he makes you a better worker, a better employee. I when the closer I am with Jesus, the more intimate I am with him, the more work I get done. Mystery upon mystery. We have an open invitation, and we can have as little of him or as much of him as we want. Some of us have gotten to know Jesus as our teacher, our healer, our shepherd. The last three to five years, he's been master. Every morning I wake up, I go, your servant awaits, master, master. I want to do what you tell me to do. You're the master. And then there's sides to Jesus, saints, that we won't see until we cross over. The bridegroom awaiting for a pure bride. That is an experience aside of Jesus. We will not see Until we cross over. We're going to see King of Kings and Lord of Lords when he shows back up. And he renders Satan right into hell. We're going to see that. The Alpha, the Omega, the Lord of Lords, the Holy One, the soon coming King. And the reason I bring up all these other attributes to him is to show how magnificent and how expansive he is. And we're barely understanding Savior, we're barely comprehending Friend, we're barely understanding he's the Master. we have so much at our disposal and jesus is the answer to every problem you can't solve any of your problems in your own mind your own right he is the answer no matter what you're facing he's the answer And we can concentrate on trying to solve the problems or bellyache to him or woe is me, this, 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 and this. Saints, if we have a relationship in the physical world, natural world, and I come to you and all I ever do is complain. So and so did this, blah, 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 blah. What would be your first inclination? Run. (laughs) Much of our prayer life is blah, 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 blah. Problem, blah, 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 problem, problem. It's a wonder that Jesus is still wanting relationship with us. And he hasn't run. But for those that change that. For those that honor his person. And say, you deserve a whole lot more than blah, 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 blah. He changes everything for you. There's a principle of life. You dig a well before you're thirsty. When crisis hits that's not the time you get to know Jesus. You know him beforehand. He is so real to me now. And I am a Hebrews 11:35 woman. And saints where I tremble is to whom much is given, much is expected. I'm the richest woman in the whole world. We have seen something that we have never seen before. And to whom much is given, much is expected. In our transition to from senior pastor to founding pastor, I thought my Preaching, sharing days are going to diminish. No, they're amping up. They're amping up everywhere. To whom much is given, much is expected. And I'm going to leave you with some statistics here. We have before us the greatest opportunity. Saints... This miracle is all of our miracles. Last week we shared at Grace Church, and one of the pastors came up to us and said, You know, this is our miracle too. Churches all over the city are saying, This is our miracle too. Yeah, it is. We'll share it. We could do the work of evangelism so quickly. We could honor the Lord Jesus so quickly. 86% of people who came to church came because they were invited by a saint on this, in the pew, by you, by me. 2% was by advertising. It's a waste of money to advertise. 2%. When 86%, if we just go to the highways and by the ways and we live, breathe, and walk Jesus, they're compelled. They'll listen. Even before this thing, people know when you know God. There's just something about you and they treat you differently. I notice in my own life, when I'm closer to Jesus, strangers treat me differently. come because the pastor invited them. That's pretty miserable. 4%. And 8% because of all of the programs that we do. And there's another statistic. If we all just reached one, make disciples, we would double to from 100 million Christians in America to 200 million next year. That's two-thirds the American population. And it's been estimated that we have 3,000 times the revenues needed and 9,000 times the manpower needed to reach the world. What is the missing component and what is what people are looking for? They're looking for something real, and that real is the Lord Jesus Christ and a vital relationship with him. When we know him, everything
1: Everything changes when we know Him. Everything changes when we know Him. Church, I'm just going to ask you a quick question this morning. Everyone's eyes closed and heads bowed. As there might be someone here this morning who doesn't yet know this Jesus, who has heard a story this morning that has touched their hearts, and they feel that tugging, that saying, I, I, Something has to be different in my life, and it has to start today. If you're that person this morning if you're that person this morning I just want you to slip your hand up. I don't want you to leave today not knowing for sure that if something happened even on the ride home of where you would go. Is there anyone this morning? Church, look up here. One person we can reach this week. You got an 86% probability that they're going to show up. And I heard that I just canceled our entire advertising campaign. (laughs) So I'm not advertising anymore. So we're relying on you guys. 86% says they'll come. I gave you homework last week, I gave you homework last week, and I asked you to, every morning or evening or afternoon, whenever, to read Ephesians 1, 17 through 23. I'm going to read it for you this morning in case you didn't do it today, but I'm going to ask you to do it for another week just read this over and over as we're talking about the authority we have in Jesus and to see what Jesus can do and the miracles he can perform. He wants to provide you wisdom, knowledge, guidance, comfort, everything that you need. Ephesians 1 starting in verse 17 that the Lord, that the good, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches, Pam, you have some riches? Of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that in which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. Heavenly Father, as we close, we just thank you for your goodness, for your faithfulness, that you are a resurrected king and that you perform great mighty, wonderful miracles. Thank you, Father, that we can know you deeply. That we can just curl up and be known by you and we can know you better. And Father, throughout this week, as you give us opportunities, which I know you will, to invite someone and to speak to someone and to pray for someone, That we will not hesitate. We will not hesitate, but we will go immediately when you say go. And Father, I pray that we will hear your voice this week. That we will grow in learning to hear from you. That we will hear your voice clearly. And we thank you for that. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, church, happy Thanksgiving coming up. No Wednesday night service. We'll see you next Sunday. If you have a prayer request in your life and you want someone to pray for you, please come up here. We'll have a couple small group leaders ready to pray for you. And the Lord told me someone has back pain today, lower back pain. If that's you, you probably should come up here because we're going to pray for you and you're going to be healed this morning. Amen? So if that's you, come on up. Everybody else, you guys can go. (laughs) Amen.
0: Thank you for being a part of today's Faith Communications broadcast of Erie Christian Fellowship Church. If you do not currently have a church home, you are invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Erie Christian Fellowship is located at 5900 Saratania Road, directly across from the Walnut Creek Middle School. You'll find us on the web at www.ecfchurch.org where you may sign up to receive our monthly faith communications newsletter. Again, thanks for joining us today. And always remember 2 Corinthians 5-7 that declares, For we walk by faith, not by sight.